Unbelievably, we are back again at Moniker Art Fair in Greenpoint. JPO, are you having a good time? Uh, yes, I'm having a great time. Running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Only a good time? <laughs> great time. Uh, Fantastic. Insane time. Who has been your favorite interview so far, Bite? Oh, gosh. I'm going right back to Mirrors and Marie. Just finding out the tidbits about what makes this world the way it is. I liked our recap with Tina about Monica and everything that went great. She has put on a spectacular show here. Uh, nice galleries represented, unbelievable artists. We have been very fortunate to meet and chat with a lot of people. And our fortune continues, Bite! Yes, it does. You're, uh, you're excited about our next guest. Oh, yes, I am. I'm because, excited because yes. I have heard this gentleman's name uh, spoken with reverence and fanfare only. I've never met him. But Jonathan Levine is joining us from the Levine Gallery. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Now, you are a person with uh, great experience in the industry in terms of putting on shows and working with artists and uh, collections. What, what do you like about Moniker? What did they do right? I think what I like about Moniker is that it's small and it's well curated and I think Tina's captured a lot of sort of like some of the cool emerging galleries that are happening right now and some from other countries that I'm aware of. Um, I think it's, it's a plastic on plastic from the Philippines. Like, that's cool. Um, and what's the gallery? They have one in, one in L.A. and one here. Um, I can't think of what they're called. Now, but Tina, there's a lot of cool galleries. Now, Tina told us when we were, ch- we were chatting her with about you... Uh, chatting with her about you coming on was uh, she said that's a forte of yours as emerging artists like over the years you've been uh, pivotal pivotal in helping some artists get their first come up or really hit that next plateau level yeah I would say that that's true now now why is that important for for, and I don't want to call you a curator I don't want to call you a gallery gallery owner but why is that important for somebody like you to to be bringing up artists instead of working with people that are already here because uh, it's not interesting to me. Um, it's not interesting to me. I mean, when I started, I, I didn't have a, I never had a, I didn't set out to be a gallerist. It wasn't wasn't like a goal of mine. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a gallerist when I grow up. Like, I want to be a rock star. Yeah. Or an actor. Or something. Not a gallerist. I didn't even know what the hell that was. So, but you know, I sort of fell into it because I started curating shows out of bars and. It was just always my passion. I was like, oh, here's work I think is really amazing. I'm so passionate about it. I want other people to see it. And there's nothing more exciting to, for me than breaking an artist. There's nothing more exciting. So that's kind of what has motivated me. So, you know, it's like sharing, helping develop a scene, I guess, not knowing that it was... Well, yeah, you've been... You, you're one of the people that started at the beginning of all of this. Right. Basically, you're, you're coming up with it. I want, don't want to say granddaddy, but you're kind of going to get that moniker before too long. It's okay, I'll take it. <laughs> it's really flattering, you know? I mean, the, my goal was, when I started, it was before like street art was really the thing. I mean, I grew up with graffiti art and everything in the seven, seven, late 70s early to mid 80s um, but I was you know I was kind of really focused on what was coming Juxtapose magazine and just like before there was like even a movement really that there is now 
you know, there was a handful of artists that I was friends with, people like Ron English, um, Anthony Housegang, Van Arno. I worked a little bit with Robert Williams. I remember when Mark Ryden was just coming up. So, like, I was sort of working with a lot of these artists who their work bordered on, like, sort of blurred line between illustration and fine art. But I also grew up, like, with hip-hop and graffiti art because... I'm from Trenton, New Jersey, which is between Philly and New York, where all this was happening, and so it was just part of my childhood and my life. Um, so you know, and I, I was like a b-boy, and so like you know that I was. I remember like watching Beat Street a million times, and like every other hip hop, you know, type movie, and so I mean this kind of was connected to that. And as I was coming up, and sort of like also. Um, Tattoo culture. JPO just motioned to have a baby stop crying so that <laughs> Mr. Levine could continue speaking. I Get think that, that is. Shut up. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I don't hilarious. mind. John, background. You were talking about being from Trenton, New Jersey. Let me ask you this: you had you had a space in in um, in Chelsea for a number of years, right? And then about what a year and a half ago. You decided to uh, go to uh, Jersey City. Now, That's correct, Manna. That's right. Right? How was that? How was that transition for you? Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still feeling my way. To be honest with you, I feel like I'm kind of reinventing myself. I feel like the market has changed a lot. And I'm trying to kind of find my way, and um, because the market the way it was isn't the same, and it was really scary to leave Manhattan because you know. Being a gallery in New York City, it's a big deal. It's sexy. It's a good... But I am from Jersey, born and raised, and uh, I've had a relationship with Jersey City on and off for 25 years. I, my family, my father's from Jersey City, and my grandparents are as well. But I used to live there back in the 90s, and the art market's changing so much, and my whole attitude has always been like, fuck the art market. Can I say that on this podcast? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Whatever you want. And to push against, you know, what's happening. My rent was doubling, and I had been wanting forever to move to New Jersey, really. I was like, I don't want to be a gallerist in New York. I want to be a New York Jersey well, and Chelsea's just gotten way too shiny. Chelsea's too shiny. It's oversaturated. It's not exciting for me. Not to, like, you know, rain on anybody else else's parade, but it's not, it didn't feel authentic didn't feel right didn't feel natural and i just didn't want to be there anymore so um time to move on that's now, that's kind of yeah. what happened i'm glad we didn't tell you the uh, podcast rules before you came on because you hit one of our keywords every time and sarah sansom has joined us hello sarah how are you good evening uh very nice to see you uh please say moniker with a british accent for us monica thank you very much uh, one of the things that we do with our guest is you mentioned hip hop first. You got to give us your top five. My, probably my fa- top five hip hop artists. Tribe Called Quest is definitely number one. Hip hop's tough, you know, because what happens is there's hip hop songs you like, but there's not a lot of full albums that are. <laughs> oh, let's see. I'll think of some of the classics I really like. I mean, you have your classics like LL Cool J. Of course. Um, you know, some Beastie Boys. Of course. We just had MCA Day a couple days ago. Oh, Rip MCA. You, uh, you know, um, Public Enemy, NWA. Classics. But, you know, like an album I love, I love the album by, this, you know, Black Sheep. Of course. Oh, yeah. or, you know, one of my favorite albums is, uh, it's, uh, what is it? It's, um, it's not Eric B. and Rakim. It's uh, Mecca and the Soul Brother. Can't place it. 
What's that? What's that, Erica? Who's <laughs> Mackin? Said that's um. <laughs> no, that's not Eric B. Rakim. That's uh. I can't even think of it. Eric B. Rakim is a different thing. But uh. We'll come back to it. Yeah, sorry. There's, <laughs> I like a lot of hip hop. That's a lot cool. of old, my favorite. I like anything up to like 1994. Mm. Wow. Mm. All right. That's interesting. My favorite is like probably 1990 through 94. Yeah. Even like though I grew Pete, up on like 80. Pete Rock and CL Smooth. That's what I was. Sure. There I was you go. About. East Coast hip hop, specifically East Coast hip hop. You know, Thank leaders you for in the school. That. But like I don't know. There was just like jazz. A lot of stuff that was sampled from jazz. You big on the Soulquarians? I don't know the Root, Roots and oh, I love Eric the Roots. Badu and not really. Eric Badu is something D'Angelo different. D'Angelo and yeah, that's the R and B. I like that stuff. Okay, but I wouldn't say that's like my good Philly band was the Goats. Thinking of the Roots, there was another good, the Goats. Talking about bands. Sorry. No, no, no. no. That's <laughs> fine, man. But talking about bands and talking about music, you're also a drummer. That's correct. And you, your band is. Uh, let me get this right. Silicon. Um, Cyclone Static. That's right. Correct? You got it. It's hard. Yeah. Cyclone Static. Yeah. Got it. That's awesome. And uh, you're a drummer yourself. Ronnie hits the skins a little bit. I go. play the I skins. I got a new kid at home. Very happy with it. Yeah. He, he does it more electronic. That's what an e-kit means. Electronic kit. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, but what, what kind of kits do you play? I have three kits. Um, mm. I have a, a Yamaha Custom Oak. Um, and then I play on, interestingly, I play on a PDP by DW. No, the little guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, well, DW is like the, PDP is like the lower end kit, but DW makes it, which is a higher end kit. Right. So basically I have these friends that like are sponsored by DW. They're like rock star drummers and they're like, don't buy the DW, just get the PDP. Just it sounds just... something. Percussion. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, so it's PDP by DW. So that's a kit I play out on. It's wonderful. Um, and then I also have a, I have a Questlove Ludwig jazz kit, one of the little... I heard that's the best one to play out on the road on because it's so easy to, to throw in the car and set up. Awesome. It's really, really fun to play. Yeah. It's and super fun it still fun fills the room, you know, Yeah. playing. So. so, yeah, now it's, I've played in club. you played in small clubs where, like, you're playing in a basement or something somewhere and it's, you just don't feel like dealing with it, and so... Favorite story being in that band so far, like... Maybe a band that you opened up for, or just a venue. You know, you know what? My favorite show is uh, that we played, and we've opened up some. We got opened up for some big bands. We opened up for, like, see, we opened up for Pieball. I don't know if you know that. Band. I heard of the. They're I've like never listened to Pieball, but I knew the band. Name. We opened for. What was that? They were a two-piece from the '90s. Ooh, two pieces are my favorites. You just don't get it. Uh, uh, local H. We opened for Local Age. Mm, there you go. Uh, we opened up for this old DC band called Scream that uh, Dave Grohl used to play the drums in. All right, now I, I got I to gotta, I gotta make it a little weird. My first concert was in 1991 at Nassau Coliseum. It was a Stone Temple Pilots con- concert that Local Age opened for. Mm. I had never seen, I had never known that two dudes could get that much sound Oh, they're amazing. Out. Now, I... Absolutely love two piece jazz duos like the Black Keys, uh, Black uh, uh, Ghosts, uh, um, yeah, but, white, white Stripes. But lead <laughs> bass now. What about um? I'm struggling with the band name. Uh, JPO lead bass. The two guys from England just had their second album out. Uh, uh, uh I don't know. Oh, are you talking about? <laughs> That's uh, so on the spot. They're fire. What is it? The black two, something is another one. Of the two bass players. No, no, the lead bass and a drummer. Lead bass and a drummer. 
right, we'll give, give me more. I'll, I'll, I will. It'll yeah. come back to me. But uh, what, what do you listen to today? Uh, you know what? I listen to a lot. I go back to things a lot these times. Like I listen to like a lot of early Police. Mm. Nice. I listen to like. Zeppelin. I go. Oh, uh, now like, see, now you're talking my language. Like some classic rock. I like the jam. Then I listen to Buzzcocks. But then I listen to like, you know, an album. I really like uh, early at the drive-in, and I really like this one album by the Refuse, The Shape of Punk to Come. I love that album. I listen to a lot of old DC bands. Uh, Fugazi is one of my favorite sure. bands. Did you like Mars Volta? You know, I wasn't because a big like... Mars Volta fan. Okay. I wasn't a big Mars Volta fan. A little was, too out there for you. It's a little too prog rock. I like stuff a little bit more punk. I got you. And uh, I know Dave, Dave Elitch used to play. He played in that. But he's one of the drummers I'm friendly with. Who, uh, the band I was thinking of is Royal Blood. Royal Blood. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Two amazing. Dudes they're good. Bass, that, they're amazing. Their drummer is a monster. Yeah. Their drummers are you going to go see Mastodon? Talking about good drummers. Mastodon uh, yeah, with Primus I, at, yeah. at Coney I, Island? No, I mean, I, I, I've seen Mastodon. Yeah. I know. What's his name? Brent. Brant. He'd kill me. He's one of my collectors, actually. No shit. <laughs> yeah, those guys are. They they came out. They've been out to the gallery. They're art people. They had uh, AJ Fossick do one of the record covers. Who's an artist I work with. Nice. And they, I can't think of the other artists. They, my friend used to actually own the label. They, my friend owns this label, Relapse, and they were, that was their first label. Um, and I know the artist did like their first album covers. I'm, hopefully he's not hearing me because I can't remember his name. He's a really That's sweet okay. guy. Shout Philly out to guy. him. Shout out to him. Yeah. He did like the whale on the cover. They're an amazing band. Yeah. So let's bring it back to art, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we can talk about music um, after. Yeah, we can go music all night. <laughs> yeah. um, so my question, uh, JPO, and I'm sure you would like to know this for uh, uh, purely selfish reasons, but <laughs> how does a person get covered by Levine Gallery? How does a person jump onto your awareness slash interest level uh, that would make you want to put on a show? What are, what are some of the things? Well, you know... I- how it happens for me is, I mean, it happens for me in a variety of different ways, but I'm always surfing, just like everybody else, too much, actually. Nowadays, it's all Instagram. But something, it doesn't, sometimes I see something, I'm like, boom, I'm like, wow. And the other times I see something, and I'm like, okay, and I see it again, and it slowly starts to, like, Pitch sink in, in my yeah. brain. It's got some, like, kernels in it. It's like an English muffin, right? What are, what Nooks, and Nooks and crannies in it, right? Ah. But it sort of like resonates with you very slowly. It could take a month, could take a year, could take three years. It's like a, you're getting advertised to. And it's interesting, actually. For example, there's a... What's her name? Evelyn Jillian, right? She, I think she has a piece, some pieces in this. She um, is going to be doing a show with me next year. And she had applied to my competition... Yeah, tell us about that competition a little bit. Um, so I have this competition called Delusional. Right. I started it last year. This is my second year. And it's basically, I, I just took the idea of the open call, and I try to put it on steroids. So instead of it just being an open call, we have, like, multiple prizes, and we try to give artists a lot of exposure, and I'm trying to build it into a larger and larger thing to kind of give back as much as I possibly can, and maybe even turn it into, like, kind of an artist network, too, and do multiple competitions throughout the year. Right. Trying to kind of create something new. Yep. So, this year, it's our second one, and... You have a great cast of judges, by the way, too. uh, Brooklyn Street Art Guys. We've got Evan Pricko, the editor of Juxpose. We've got Yasha Young, director of Urban Nation. We've got Jeff Soda, the artist, and Tara McPherson. Wow. As well. So 
heavy hitters. You know, good, really good jurors. Um, we've got, you know, our prizes. One of the prizes, first place is solo show. Second place, you get to be in a group show. Third place, we do um, like an online marketing campaign. We end up doing a lot more than that for all these artists, though. Um, and the deadline's coming up soon, too, right? Yeah, May 20th. Okay. We're so. also giving away $5,000 in cash, twenty-five and and 1000 and there's a people choice. That's a people's choice. So the people can vote yeah. and get involved and choose. So they can be like, oh, those jurors, they don't know what they're talking about. It's yeah. like, well, then you get involved and you vote so. and you help decide. So artist listeners. Bitch. That's right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because people always complain. Yeah. I'm like, well, here's your opportunity. Yeah. I'm giving it to the public. We're yeah. trying to create, we're creating a lot of things on a lot of different levels. Liquitex is giving away um, lots of prizes and a variety of other art-related companies. So it's, I'm excited. Excellent. As you should Thanks be. Thanks for asking me about it, too. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's excited. So artist listeners, submit your artwork to Delusional by the 20th. So I have a question. Any young emerging artists we should be watching for that have caught your eye, whether here or in the last yeah, couple of just, months? I was just mentioning, was I saying her name? Jillian Evelyn. I'm so bad with names. I'm working with someone. I can't remember her name. Um, let's see. Who, I'm really excited about this artist I have coming up in a couple months. i got a bunch of really good artists. Um, ben Tolman uh, I have in a couple months. This artist, Ronald Gonzalez, who actually... I, Got third place in my competition, and then we gave him a solo show. Cool. Uh, let's see. Hard for me to. Let's jog your memory, ladies. What was your favorite show <laughs> at Levine Gallery over the last couple oh, of years? Gosh. Well, Ooh. I said, ladies, <laughs> and you also said you didn't want to be on the podcast, so don't sit in the back and scream out answers. Well, I know, sir. I wish you would come talk to us. I love your stuff. I want to ask you about your goddamn stickers, fucker. Anyway, back to Mr. Levine. Well, I know mine simply because of a single piece of artwork. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dylan Egon. Oh, really? And Oh, yeah. That's how one of the ways I got into all of this was because I have a photo in his book. Oh, okay. Um, And he had a piece at your show of his Quanta Parker with butterflies. That's still one of the most striking pieces of art that I've ever seen. And that's kind oh, that's of that's cool. I love that. Yeah, he's that a, was that was the moment. He's a he's a great artist. And then of course, then when I found out that you have stickers of you as a Teletubby, I was sold forever. <laughs> I have a few of those, by the way. Jonathan, how do you feel about girls with rhinestones <laughs> on their foreheads? I think it's a good look. It is a good look. It's interesting. I'm not sure. I'd like a whole team of rhin of rhinestone foreheads. She looks lovely. People. She's Aww. a gem, huh? Oh. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, before we wrap it up, and thank you very much for your time with us, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you online, how to apply for the contest, and say something nice. You can uh, find me online at uh, Um You can find out about our competition by either going to our site or going to www.delusionalartcompetition.com. Delusional we also have an Instagram account. We have a Facebook account for both the delusional competition and for Jonathan Levine projects. And uh, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. All right. Ladies, any uh, parting questions for Mr. Levine? Ooh. Yeah, hit him. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Instagram earlier and uh, how just scrolling through and how that is changing things. Do you feel like that's affected with uh, artists um, 
selling directly to consumers through Instagram? Instagram, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, you know, to be quite honest, Instagram is kind of killing the gallery system. <laughs> That's what I've heard, yeah. and I wanted to get your yeah, you perspective know, I, I on mean, that. I, people probably don't want me to say this, but I'm just a little bit too open about things. But Instagram is kind of killing the gallery system. And maybe that's it's pro. It's got its pros and cons. It sucks if you're like a mid-level gallery. Absolutely, that's who's getting affected the most. But it's good for more. It, it's good for some, bad for some. If you're an emerging artist, it's great, and you're making great work. It's great. If you're an artist, been around for a while, and you've had a good, solid career, and now it's being undermined by because there's an oversaturation um, of artists, not so great. If you're a gallery and artists are selling directly to collectors every day with a DM. That's right. So that's that's changed all right, everything. All right, all right. We're, we're not wrapping it up. We're going to get into it for half a second. Now, <laughs> Can you I, give me another drink. <laughs> I work with a couple of artists. I'm learning. They're learning. I'm very humble about what we're doing. It doesn't make sense to me that if an artist, and I'm making up numbers here, if an artist gets a thousand dollars a canvas, that that why isn't that two thousand dollars in the gallery? It should be. Wait. If they're if they're, if they're oh because that. Why is that? Because then, okay, so it's kind of like, well, if the artist is selling $1,000 himself, right, and it's $2,000 in the, in the uh, gallery, the collector is going to be like, why would I buy from a gallery? Because, you know, I can why, go... Why would the collector buy from a gallery? What, what is the... Uh, what, what's, I know you said the model has changed a little bit. Yes, what's the incentive to these no, days no, for people? Incentive is the wrong word. Yeah. Uh, Where's the where's the where's the uh, where's the the magic in it? Where's the process in it? Where is the, the the customer service experience in dealing with the gallery today? Well, I guess it really depends. You know, I mean, uh, first of all, an artist may be horrible at dealing with collectors and packaging and shipping their work and whatever. May be really uncomfortable about it. But the other thing is, how are they going to develop and build their career? Make their prices go up? get into other you know be shown if you don't want to be shown if you don't care about being shown then just stay in the digital world you know how is your how are your prices going to go up and then how are you going to sustain your prices well, that's, a, that's a big deal because a lot of artists whether they have the talent to take their art up incrementally as time goes over everybody needs a pop and everybody plateaus and needs help when you plateau so it, it makes sense to me that the right hand holding in a gallery today is probably more valuable than ever uh, m- maybe, but it's harder to be a gallery and make money because you're competing so much with so much. And then, you know, you don't even know, like, artists you're working with, you don't know whether they're they're selling privately or not. You have no idea. And, you know, it's very hard nowadays to... The old system was there was, you know, artists had to go through galleries and they had somewhat exclusivity with them and the collector had to go to the gallery to get the art. So it's kind of like if you're... For example, a better thing to compare it to is always to, like, the retail world. So, you know, say you have a, a, a designer luxury product. Let's say, like, Louis Vuitton or Prada or something like that. Louis Vuitton and Prada is only selling through through their own stores or through, you know, like, Bergdorf Goodman or something. I don't know. What, whatever, you know. They're not selling at Target. So, like... You have to use the same sort of like business model for artists. You can't; they just can't sell to everyone. Their prices can't be all over the place. Like nowadays, everyone's like, retail as a whole is hurting. It's kind of like you go into a store, you're like, oh, I see this pair yes. of jeans, but you know what? I go on Amazon and get them for cheaper. It's all about the experience now. Mm-hmm. That's why the pop up is king. 
Because it's all about creating a memory of when you bought the piece that goes beyond just the piece. I guess, but I don't necessarily know, like, doing a pop-up, just, you know, a pop-up is more of a happening. That doesn't exactly, sell, but it doesn't necessarily sell work if you're the one financing it. Um, that doesn't necessarily change that. It's, I mean, it's, you, I don't know if there's just any, like, cut-and-dry answer or reason. I think certain artists you'll see really do really well, and and... That's why every gallery isn't successful. It's a very difficult model. I think it's always been a difficult There's, model. It's, I think it's actually... I think it's harder now. I think it's easier if you're starting, but it's harder if you've been around for a while and you want to build to a higher level, is what I think. I mean, it's, it's really hard to say. It's very hard for me to have a perspective on it because I've been doing it for so long. Right, you're established. It, you know, and I'm also like, I'm not a millennial starting a gallery, so... There's a, they, they may have, younger people have a much different perspective on things than I do, so. But that's why we wanted to talk with you. And thank you very much for your opinions. We really appreciate your time. I know I wrapped it up. A and on that night, early, early. shut up. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no we got into the nitty-gritty. No, to be respectful of your yeah. time and everybody else's. But, but, Jonathan, thank you very much for coming, and we sure. appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to covering your events in the future. We look forward to publicizing the competition. And, yes, uh, please. You got some friends in sold, so any, anything you need. Thanks. Talk Appreciate to the, it. Talk to the tall man. Great to we meet you. We are guys. sold out with Jonathan Levine. <laughs>